Hello everyone and welcome back to Living Life in My 30s. My name's Zoe and today's episode is called Why It's a Couple's World. And whilst this is a slight moan because of my current situation, what this really is about is driving awareness for the struggles and upheavals of single people and why I feel that today's society is really revolved around couples. However, I'd love to hear your point of view, so if you do enjoy it, then please do give some feedback to livinglifeinmy30s at gmail.com, but otherwise, just listen away. everyone I had a couple of weeks hiatus but I am back again and I am so excited that you're joining me for this episode and some people might say why are you choosing why it's a couple's world it sounds like a bit of a moan and whilst there is a sort of hint and undertone of that what this episode is about is actually giving single people the voice to actually talk about the difficulties and upheavals that we have when perhaps being single isn't our choice or it is our choice and we have to live with on a day-to-day basis that perhaps some people take for granted. And what do I mean by that? So I've started to outlay some ideas and examples and hopefully that'll bring people a bit of a realisation. Actually, yeah, there are some things that couples find easier there are things that couples find more difficult however this is very much this episode is very much focused on the single perspective so and as I will reiterate at the end of my podcast if anyone wants to talk about the other side because I am very much about having an equal perspective on both and I've never lived with a partner I've never you know, had a long enough relationship to be able to talk about the longevity and the the difficulties going on in relationships as you get older. So I would love someone to chat with me about that. So please, if you do want to be interviewed, and you do think you've got a good perspective on this, then I would love to do an interview with you. So please get in touch. Anyway, so to start this episode, I want to talk about where I'm at at the moment and why this has become so relevant for me. Um, I will be doing an episode on this in its entirety because, well, it's been really difficult. But it's about mortgages and it's about trying to buy a house. So I'm in a hugely fortunate position at the moment in the sense that I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go out there and buy a house. I I got a deposit, I'm ready to go, I am super excited, I've been ready for about three, three years now, three years of wanting to buy a property, and well, why has it taken me three years? And well, there's multiple things, so I do have to factor in, for example, COVID, so in the UK, when COVID hit, and they stopped stamp duty, so the tax on houses, 
and everyone was selling, everyone was buying, the market was absolutely crazy, estate agents were loving it because they were getting profit here, there and everywhere and for me it was impossible to get a, lo a look in, it was absolutely impossible to get my offer even looked at and why was that? So there were two reasons really. So I had investors who were cash buyers and obviously if they're offering however much over asking price, it's a cash buyer and they don't have a mortgage involved, then they will be the first priority for most sellers, for most sellers. There are some sellers who, you know, want a family, don't want it to go to investors, but essentially I was bottom of the pile because I was a first time buyer, I'm on my own, I don't have cash and actually when you've got the stability of two incomes so you've got a couple who got one mortgage but there's two of their salaries that are supporting their application request then actually they are preferred so yeah I mean it's been really really hard and I'm a very independent person anyway as you guys know but one of the things that I've been thinking about, because regardless of my situation at the moment, if I was in a relationship or not, I have a weird personal goal of wanting to own a property myself anyway. And I think that's partly because, you know, say if I met someone now, things probably would move very quickly, I imagine, because I'm older and I'm just happier to do that. But having a property yourself is that ultimate, well, my ultimate security, my own goal, to know that I've done that myself, if that makes sense. I think some people will say I'm being really silly and actually why do you need to buy a property you know if you met someone you'd buy it with them and there's a lot more difficulties of getting out of that and then buying a house together but for me it's always been my ultimate goal to own my own property and there is a hint in the back of my mind that says well actually if something was to go wrong in the relationship I own the property that is my place and you know, what I want to do with it, there's no prenup involved over over some, over some my property if, if the relationship was to fall down. So yeah, that, that's been a big one. And I'm hoping to buy a property soon. And I do feel very much in a difficult position at the moment. I'm hoping for someone to almost take a chance on me. I don't know how many people have had the same experience as I have had. I think, as I mentioned, that COVID has been a huge, huge influence of the difficulties in the market at the moment. And I am very aware of that. But I would love to hear other people's views on it, if they've had the same experience in the housing market that I've had. Because it's rubbish at the moment. And then... On top of, you know, the competition to get to the market, right? So there's another aspect of buying a property. And that's just not just, you know, getting in there to ask, ask them, give them, give them the bid. You know, it's not about even getting to that point. 
prior to even getting to that point, you, unless you do are very fortunate and come from a very wealthy family who are able to, you know, buy the property outright, which 95% of the country are not able to do, then you do have to get a mortgage. But if you want to buy a property on your own, you have to apply for a mortgage on just one salary, right? And in today's market, mortgages offer up to four and a half times someone's salary, which is not a lot of money. I mean, unless you are on 100k a year, and, you know, not many people are, then actually places like London, you won't even get a look in. I mean, London is impossible anyway for a lot of people. But if you're looking even in the north of the UK, then actually if you want a house and a garden, you're looking at like 250k. So you need to be earning about 50 plus on your own in order to be eligible for that property. And then on top of that, to be able to afford afford the mortgage repayments. It's crazy. So actually, people on their own are already on the back foot because they're not able to even get that much money to afford what they want to afford. They're not going to be able to loan that much money. So you have to be in a couple if you want the property that you want. If you're able to squeeze that extra funds in because there will always be a cap on what you can afford on your repayments based on your salary but also what the mortgage lender will give you. It's a really difficult position so you know either on one hand you know you can afford however much the mortgage lender has given you but you're either looking in really rough area or you're looking at really really compromising on the property you want whereas if you're in a couple then actually there are less of those compromises and there's a lot more flexibility on what you want to lend and what you can cut out and what you can maybe look for in the future so that's one and as you guys know so I also live in a flat on my own and you know, it's absolutely brilliant. I am very lucky. I'm so happy in my flat. But there is also another thing I've noticed, and it's all stemmed from, you know, looking for a house. It's all stemmed from this. And it's about bills and council tax. So in the UK, we have council tax. And one of the things is, is that if you're a single person, the council tax is cut down by 25%. And I do understand this, so I do have to say, you know, the government, there is a reason behind this. And that's because even if you are a single person, the the labour and the work from the council still has to be done. So their argument is to not cut it down to 50%, because automatically you would think, well, I'm not one and a half people, (laughs) I'm just one person and they're charging me 75% of what a couple would pay. And actually, the reason being is because the work and the labour still needs to be done. But if I'm paying 75%, that means I still need to earn, you know, an extra 
hundred pounds or whatever I need to earn in order to pay that tax and it's not cut down for me which is interesting I personally I don't know I, I is the answer that couples should be charged more and then it comes down less but actually what it comes down to is that the single people are penalized for being on their own and therefore have to pay extra for their council tax and it's not just council tax it's not just council tax what about other bills what about everything else so I want to live on my own I'm a 30 year old woman I should you know have the freedom to choose if I want to live on my own or not but realistically within your salary within your budget so you have to pay for rent bills uh, everything else you do on a daily basis, all for yourself, any luxuries, all comes out of your salary. And you don't have anyone to share it with. There's no one to share it with. And it's for the small thing that is freedom. You know, I choose to pay more. I choose to do that because I want the freedom of my own flat. I don't want to live with strangers. You know, a lot of my friends are in relationships in couples so I don't have the opportunity to live with friends anymore and I don't necessarily want to live with a stranger even if they are the same mindset because I like the fact that you know I'm I'm an independent adult who wants to live on their own and I don't take for granted that places like London London there's so many people who will be living in house shares for a very long time and that's just because the prices skyrocket. I live somewhere where, you know, I think people should be able to live on their own if they wanted to. But the reality is, is that because costs, bills, energy, council tax, we have to pay for it all, there are huge difficulties for people being able to do that. I actually was in the pub the other day and I told this person where I lived because it was really close and actually they had a big attitude towards me because they made a presumption about how much I earned and actually sneered and snided about how, uh, how they couldn't afford it, how they were living in a house share and it was a really difficult conversation because I have actually made lots of cuts in my living standards in order to be able to afford where I live. And also, I have lived in London where I was on a really small salary and I did nothing. I was absolutely miserable, but I needed to afford where I lived. So it's about the balance and it's about being able to you know, work out what you could afford but without compromising absolutely everything. And that is deeply personal, I think. You can't judge someone on what they choose to spend their money on. So yeah, I really wanted to highlight that one. So living standards and bills and mortgages and buying houses, that's one thing. And they are huge investments, they're huge outgoings, and that is such a huge thing that is really driven towards towards couples and I'd love to someone to talk about the other side of it because I guess thinking about the other side of it is if you are in a couple and someone does have a smaller salary 
then there's always going to be someone who's paying more, right? Or if someone's not able to work, then someone will be paying more. I think my point is, is that, that actually, you know, some, the most of the time, that is a conscious decision. So for example, if, you know, someone's on maternity leave, you both have made that conscious decision together that someone will not work because it's better for you financially together. And I think about, you know, obviously there are circumstances where people are disabled and hopefully they get some disability uh, reimbursement from the government, I hope. And you have some people who are not able to for various reasons. And again, I think that, you know, is worked out between the couple. Whereas single people just have no choice. There is no choice. You just have to do it. You have to get up every day because actually when being in a couple and say you both are working, if for whatever reason one of you is made redundant, then actually hopefully the other person can pay it and you won't miss bill payments. Obviously not always the case, but on a single person's salary, if you miss your rent or you miss your mortgage payment, then it's just you. It's just you. And I was saying to my sister that, you know, at one point I was living paycheck to paycheck. And if I missed my rent, then fortunately I'm in a position with an amazing family who will be able to help me if I got to dire straits. But there are some people who don't. And what would they do? Well, actually, technically, they would be on the streets. It's just something to think about, right? Just not having that fallback, that fail-safe. And I want to sort of move it away from talking about housing and things like that. It's so relevant for me at the moment. It's hot on my brain, and I look forward to doing an episode on it because I think it's a good discussion one on how people have found it. And I'd also like to talk about, you know, the... European market where people just don't buy houses. In the UK, we are obsessed with owning our own house, where in other countries like Germany, it's all about renting forever. So I'm creating my own problem, which isn't necessary. (laughs) Very first world problem, I think. So let's look at other things outside of that and the favourability of couples, in my view. And One is about rail cards, right? So I've talked about the extortionate price of rail cards. But what about the couple's rail card? That's great, fantastic for couples who can travel together everywhere. I'm going to be at the end of my 26 to 30 rail card within the UK. And I'm not in a couple. So I'm going to have to pay full price for not being in a couple that I travel with, great. And why is that? Why why, why is that the case? Why have they done that? And the answer is I'm not sure because the other person is still taking taking up another seat. It just doesn't really make sense to me. And it's the same principle as booking a hotel. So you're booking a hotel and you book a room. The room cost will be the same for a single person and a couple. So you look on single beds 
even single bed prices are only discounted maybe by a tenner. But if you get a double room and you're a single person, you're still paying that same price. There's just no real financial advantage to being on your own. And that's really sad. And then I look at sort of general things in society. And you look at, there's Valentine's Day, and the events as couples where you go on salsa nights, things like that. You go on date nights. Uh, there's couples booking couples spa retreats. Where are the offers for single people? Where are the highlight highlighting factors of celebrating being on your own? There are none. There are none. And people try. People say, oh, you know, have this on your own. But there is no real celebration of independence, of being on your own. And actually, some people do make that choice and some people don't. But all these things accumulate and make you remember you are on your own and actually your life is being made worse for it by external factors. It's really not nice. And then the final one, which is a bit of a weird one, but I, I, I have had this and I wanted to highlight it because it's a very small thing. But when you're on your own and you're surrounded by couples, it does actually seem to be that that person will make do. The accom like accommodation, and I, I've talked to my family about this, about you know being on an airbed and going wherever I need to be, go on the sofa bed. I am more than happy to do that. And my family are so accommodating. And, you know, the fact that they're even putting me up in a packed house when actually, you know, I'm old enough to afford a hotel. I'm old enough to find my own means of sleeping. <laughs> but the reality is, is that because I'm on my own, I'm presumably the person who will always make do and that the couple will always take precedence of where they will sleep because there's two of them. That does make sense, right? I mean, I would do the same. If there's two people who need to be together in the bed, I would always make sure that they were okay. And that goes logistically as well because you're not going to put someone's boyfriend with another girl. It will just that makes no sense. Why would I do that? So, you know, that's not the fault of anyone. But actually, because single people are to make do, and there are lots of situations like that, that actually it highlights the situation you're in and the fact that you're on your own. And you have to remember, this isn't just about me being a 30-year-old woman. What about, you know, widowers, widows, who are on their own, who now find themselves in those situations where the couple is put before them. And that's what I wanted to highlight from this episode, really, is because there are subconscious things, there, there are things from society that happen that we don't recognise, and we just accept that's the way it is. You know, I realise that I have to pay my bills, I realise that I have to do that. But couples, when they're moaning about bills and the struggles financially, yes, absolutely, those are real, those are real problems. 
but then just remember that person, that single person, that single person with a child who's trying to get by, who's trying to get by without that other salary, who's trying to, you know, run two people's lives, they are struggling. Um, please do remember that as the point of this episode is that I do really do want to highlight that single people don't have as much money. There is less flexibility and more responsibility for their own welfare. You do have the reminder that you are on your own. And actually, these pressures, you know, these pressures do actually get people into perhaps unsafe relationships because they're trying to have a better way of life financially you know that's a really bad thing I do want to highlight to people that you know support support that single person support them in the best way that you can because they're on their own they might be lonely they might not be but ultimately the world and society today as the way I see it is driven by couples And that leads to a lot of vulnerability that isn't talked about today. Anyway, that's the end of this episode. But as I've mentioned, I would really love to talk to someone about the inverse perspective. Because I know it's not all roses and flowers and lilies and any other flower I could think of in a couple. And I'm sure people want to talk about the mess and the arguments and the financial difficulties and various other things with having children. So I would really love to do an interview on this. Please do get in touch if you would be up for doing it. I live in Leeds, so please do uh, give me a shout and I'll be happy to arrange something. But otherwise, I hope you all have a lovely day and thank you for listening.